Sure, let's go with that <laughs> intro. That is Club to Death by Rob Dugan from The Matrix. From The Matrix. I'm an FBI agent. That's not The Matrix, that's Point Break. Uh, but it's Keanu Reeves. Same actor. Trinity, help! I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, this is part two of the Rubik Dawn of Kiev review. Um, I fucking don't remember where I was at, but I think I was near the end of it, but I just wanted to keep going. Uh, so yeah, uh, in Rurik, you do the action programming, uh, the auction programming, whatever, uh, you can get duped out of doing things, which really sucks, uh, and I think we found out by the third round that bribing is super duper important because there's not a lot of things that you have to use for money. Now in a three in a three to four player game, some of the actions that you can get bumped down to, it'll be like in order, like the best one is like in the attack column is you can do two attacks, then it's one attack, and then it's pay one to do one attack or pay two to do one attack. And that's that's pretty crippling. Not crippling, but it sucks. Um, but it balances itself out that way. And it, it was definitely the best part of the game. Um, but like I said, I can definitely see some analysis paralysis coming out, especially in the first game. Uh, I mean, but that's just a dumb thing to say, but I think now that we know how to play it, we would, uh, it would definitely take us longer, but otherwise I, it's a very fast once it's like, once that happens, once you do the auction programming part, you're pretty much just going through the motions after that. It's just like, okay, well, you do, you do this, you move. Okay, you do this, you do that. Um, that only takes like five to ten minutes to actually do the actions that you're carrying out because you're not looking at a bunch of resources and options in front of you because you can only do so much on your turn, right? So um, It actually reminds me a lot of another game I'm going to review called Smartphone. Um, where a smartphone, like explaining the way that you get resources and the way that the turn plays out, that's where the bulk of the game is. But then the rest of it just kind of like flows like water. Like it just, you, you just, you do that, you get your resources and then everything moves. And it's, I would, I would compare it to that game to a certain degree. So yeah. Um, what is the feeling you get when you play this game? Uh, really most of it comes into play I'm not even kidding like most of it comes into play with this auction programming thing you know you see that your opponent plays their five first and then you're like okay well that means that they really want to do that but if I do this sequence that I can basically whittle down uh, like if they want to move three times you can try to screw them over and you probably will just naturally screw them over just because that's the way the game is uh, and you can't really be like mad at anybody at anybody because it's like oh well you place your four here and there's been eight to nine actions that have happened before this how dare you 
make them go that way. Like, there's no way. They're just naturally going to be, like, budding. Like, you're just going to run into each other. It's just how it is, right? Um, the game, while it says 3.06 of a weight, it's really not a heavy game at all. I, I personally don't think that it's a heavy game. There's, like, a couple restrictions with placing buildings and stuff, but... And even the auction programming is straightforward. The higher the number when you place it, like, the more priority you get. That's, like, the higher the strength, the better the action that you'll get. But then the lower number goes first. So it's not a very hard concept to grasp. But once you see it play out the first time... I, you, I would almost say play the first game with five rounds rather than four to get, have kind of like a dummy round just so that everyone can see how everything works um, because I definitely... Uh, Tim picked it up quicker than I did. Um, who do I think would like this game? Uh, I think it's a great game. Truthfully. my Me saying... uh made it sound like I didn't like it, but I did really I really did enjoy the game. From the production to the flow of the game to the fact that it's not like it's not it's really not heavy. Like I'm not I'm not sitting there like my palms sweating or anything like that. I just I really just enjoyed it felt light to me. You know? Because you don't have to like do all this interacting while the actions are just playing out. It's just a matter of, okay, well, do I want to do my bonus action here? Or do I want to move here for next round? Or do I want to move there and try and get this resource that round? Or do I want to try and just load my boat up with stuff this round? Or whatever. Like, the, you can only do so much in the game. There, But there's different ways that you can go about winning. Like, if you want to... Because the, the point track goes up from, like... It goes, like, one, one three, four six eight or something like that but moving up the track is you can try to move up each track two or three spots to get like nine to ten points or you can try and move one all the way up to eight and get eight points and do other stuff like there's uh you know it's a very flexible game and in, in the strategy that you want to take for it uh because even if I was thinking to myself, because with the warfare track, if you attack a bunch, you're only going to move up the track and like, yes, you're going to have first place through it and you'll get three points. But then I was thinking, oh, well, if you're killing a bunch of dudes, chances are you're going to be taking over their territory. So you're going to be moving up on that track a lot too. So the game flows into itself very nicely. People that wouldn't like the game. Let me get back to that. People that wouldn't like the game are people that are have heavy, heavy analysis paralysis. While I appreciate analysis paralysis a lot, actually, I think it's okay to take your time and it means that you care about the game. I think that you can really get, especially in three to four players, you can really get stuck. Because if you're looking at, Tim is going to move here. These are the options for him moving. After he moves, Jason is going to attack. Is he going to attack me, or is he going to attack the rebel, or is he going to attack Tim? Even though I'm kind of in the lead, so he'll probably attack me. So if he attacks me, I should probably go here. You know, there, there's just so many levels to it. 
and you just can't control all of it. <clears throat> so I think if you're a person that needs the, a game to be more straightforward, as in I place a worker here, I get this action, I get it right then and there, and it's guaranteed to happen, then you won't like it. Uh, but if you like player interaction, even if it's kind of passive player interaction, like there are games like Barrage, for example, like I reviewed, where when you place a conduit in someone's water source, you're blatantly saying like, hey, bitch, you're going to pay me for the rest of the game every time you want to use this shit. And it's like a very blatant move. But in Rurik, when you go, when you're picking the spot, like no one is thinking that far ahead. So if you go to tax and you take the resource that they were going to take on their turn, like tough shit, dude. And that's, that's, and I mentioned this on a lot. I don't remember which podcast I mentioned it on, but I love games that reward you or that have give and take, you know? So it's not like, oh, well, I placed this worker there for no reason. I don't get anything out of it. At the very least, you get a coin, which is great. And because every little every little bit of coins matter. I think we maybe made like 12 to 13 coins throughout the game. So that's an average of like four per round. You start off with three in the beginning of the game. Um, and, it, and there are turns where if you really want to commit to getting something, you can commit a bunch of money to it, but there's repercussions for that, you know? And there's not, there weren't any uh, actions that felt like absolutely paramount, I have to take them. Because even if, if you go into the, re if you go into the movement track, you're going to get movement. It just might not be as much as you want. So you're not, you're just getting a dumbed down version of what you wanted. It's really well made, man. Like it's, I mean, it's super well made. Uh, I really want to play it with multiple people. Two player, it's it's fine. Two player, I don't think it's meant to be played two player. I haven't played the solo. I've never played a game solo. I just can't see myself doing that. Maybe one day. I just can't see myself playing it solo. Yeah, but I think it would be better with more than two. For sure, I just generally like games with more than two people. Dependent, it's obviously dependent on the game, but. In a game like this, where there's a lot of factors and a lot of intermingling and stuff, I, it would just shine, absolutely shine with three or four players. Um, I don't know what the other characters do, but um, like I said, now that you know about the game, my character allowed me, and I didn't. This didn't really come into play at all because I wasn't moving my guy around, uh, just because I is first time, first time playing. Uh, he allowed me to like I how I mentioned if you tax or build in a in an area that is ruled by an opponent you have to pay extra. Uh, this is this wasn't the case with him. He bypassed that, so he didn't have to pay extra, which is just a totally fine ability, and it kind of guides you in a direction. And then also you have secret agendas. Uh, there's like these secret agenda cards that you you pick two, keep one at the beginning of the game. And all of them give you just an extra two points at the beginning of the game because everything is public information. Like in the last round, I looked at Tim and I said, okay, he is here on this track. He has six points there and three points there. So he has nine points. Can I beat him? And then uh, I think the score is 15 to 11 and he won. 
I didn't complete my secret objective, which was to kill four, or uh, to kill the most rebels. Um, but I just, I had to, so many other things I was focusing on. But he completed his secret objective. And so um, he got those extra two points. Had he not, and I did, then we would have, would have been tied at 13. But I think he still would have won because he had more, he ruled more places. Um, but yeah, if you think, if you like games where what you're doing isn't going to be impeded upon, then you'll not like this game. If you like just natural flow of a game where people are going to interact and it'll create interesting situations that you have to adapt to, then you'll like, you'll definitely like this game. And I think this game is one that fall, it's not, okay, it's not light, but I think it fits right in that medium category where it can, people that are hardcore gamers will really like it and people that are getting into the hobby can kind of accept the challenge of it uh, because it really isn't that hard of a game. Um, so what would I rate it? I, I've been trying to think of a better way to rate games than just like a, a number because numbers are so misleading. I would rather go off of... There are other area control games that I like more, but it's also my favorite genre, and so it's really hard to beat the games that are in those top slots. So I would say that if you're looking for a game that bridges the gap between light to medium and your heavy board game group will enjoy, this is the game to get because and it, I would say it's similar to El Grande in that in that regard El Grande is a super easy game to teach and to understand and people will have fun with it if they're new and if people are good at games and are heavy into the hobby like me they can get they get way more enjoyment out of it and I think that's what happens with Rurik you can play a Rurik with total like new people and it'll be like a super challenge to them. It might be a little bit laid back to you, but uh, if you play this with like some serious dudes, like they'll, <laughs> they'll enjoy the shit out of it, I think. Um, and just talk about, I mean, the game is a little bit pricey at $90. Uh, I think it's because it's just independently, it's an independently made game. And so I'm all for uh, contributing to that being a, a more prominent thing. So it's not just like it's some huge big box game. You can tell there's a lot of love in this game. And not even to mention the theme. Uh, in the rule book, there's a bunch of little like snippets about the history of the game and stuff like that. Um, I don't know shit about it, but I learned something by reading the rule book. So while it looks just like a regular old European combat theme um it is it is different and it does have like a different feel to it and plus you're not you're not you're paying a premium for a premium product don't get me wrong like everything in that if you're if you like barrage that game was like 70 to 80 bucks came ripped uh the pieces were nice but some of them were kind of like chunky and like uh like chipped 
uh, and I had to put everything in like like plastic bags. This game comes with everything that you need. A little tray for you to have like nice and clean in front of yourself. It's it is just like the most premium product and I'm if every game came with the option to spend like an extra twenty to twenty five dollars, because I think this is like a sixty dollar game. But you're paying an extra twenty to twenty five dollars to have like a beautiful insert. You never have to use any bags or anything like that to put stuff in. And it comes with the bags that you need and it's few and far between. That rhymed kind of. So so yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, I would recommend the purchase. If you can get it on sale, it's definitely worth the purchase. Ninety dollars is a little steep, but I I believe it's worth every penny. I mean, I, I spent a hundred dollars on El Grande, and that game is like like way uglier <laughs> and not as nice. But I mean, I'm not knocking El Grande. I would never. But it's uh it's fantastic. Please, please, I, I would recommend it highly because of the range of players that can get enjoyment out of it. The ease of teaching. Uh, once you teach the, the auction programming and just kind of do a dummy round, you're good. Like, the rest of the game will just do whatever it needs to do. And the fact that there's variable player powers um, means that there's kind of like a difference in the game. And then it even goes as far... So on the board, there is a printed resource that goes to that area every game. So I could see if you played the game a whole bunch, there would be a situation where like, oh, well, I know I have to go to this bottom right territory if I want to get bear pelts. So I'm going to go there. Um, it comes with like these extra little tokens that you can randomly put around the board at the beginning of the game. So it changes up what resources are where, which is just genius. Like it's just a, such a good idea. Um... <clears throat> same with the uh, same with the uh, rebels, but I don't think you need to do that. Do that with the rebels; it's gonna be random every single time. So, highly recommended. Uh, I want to play it again with more than two. I will let everyone know when that happens, uh, so I can give like just that added a little extra flavor into the review. Uh, so definitely pick it up if you possibly can. Uh, it is just a solid area control game when it doesn't even really feel like area control it's just more of like an action action planning game that has area control with it and uh, it's just great and it's a it's beautiful it's just great I don't know what else to say I don't know what else to say about it so yeah Rurik Dawn of Kiev pick it up um let's talk about us baby let's talk about you and me uh, let's pull up a game that I have been wanting to play for a while. And that game is Res Arcana. I actually want to look into what the expansion is because... So, Res Arcana. Uh, let's see. It is... Rank 118 on BoardGameGeek. It came out in 2019. Uh, it has a 7.8 rating. It plays 2 to 4. It takes 20 to 60 minutes. Made by Thomas Lehman, who no one gives a shit. The weight is 2.58. What else has this fella done? Oh, this guy did uh, Race for the Galaxy and Roll for the Galaxy. Never played them. Who cares? Uh, even though I've heard about them for years. So, Res Arcana is a card game. 
uh, where essentially I just pick I I understood this game incredibly fast because it's very similar to Magic the Gathering, uh, which I have lots of practice and time played with. Uh, so in Res Arcana, you essentially are playing as a mage. Uh, and at the beginning of the game, when you're first playing, you can uh, there's like an intro level that you can start with, where essentially it gives you these specific three cards. Otherwise, I guess you just start off with totally random cards. I think that I don't I don't know how that's how it works uh, because Tim set it up. But uh, you start off as a mage, and you have like a eight card deck. You shuffle it up, draw three cards. Uh, and there are these five locations, essentially, in front of you at the beginning of the game, uh, and they all cost a lot of resources, and the object of the game is to have ten points, uh, and so some of the cards that I just mentioned, like the big location cards, uh, those are the probably the best way for you to win. Uh, there are those. There are some cards that all cost four gold each. Uh, that'll give you some type of benefit, whether it be immediate or passive. Uh, and those usually give you a couple points as well. Uh, and then there is a, we'll call it like an extra. We'll call it like a. <clears throat> no, you're not drafting it, but there's a row of tokens that all have a different ability on them. And at the beginning of the round, you pick one. And then at the beginning of each round, you swap out. So you can't have the same one two turns in a row. Um, but basically, this game is incredibly similar to Magic. And Tim mentioned it to me, and I had already bought it for like 20 bucks off of uh, Facebook. And I watched the watch. I watched the how it's played, and I was like, okay, like it makes enough sense. And uh, Tim told me that I was going to destroy him in this game, Chapstick. <clears throat> because when I played Lost Ruins of Arnak with Tim, I won in my first game, and I also went like 12 to 15, to 12 to 15 turns after everyone else was done. Because I just I understand card games on a different level than I do other games. And uh, he knows this about me, and so he said I was going to destroy him, and we'll save the spoiler. But basically, you have these cards in your hands, and you start off the game with a certain amount of resources. There's five different colors. There's uh, fire, water, uh, life, which is green, skulls, or death, which is black, and then gold. Gold is wild, so it can be uh, played as anything. Uh, so essentially, at the beginning of the game, you start off with a couple resources. Uh, there's a cost in the top left of each of each card. Um, it, and it's specific to the type of resource. So, um, like the unicorn that I played in the first round cost two water and one fire. So I pay those resources. I play that card onto the field. And uh, the interesting thing, I thought it was a deck builder, but it's not because you only have those eight cards throughout the game. Uh, and then you add to them with uh, the other things that you can buy that are out in like the uh, on the field like the locations and the uh like monuments i believe they're called so um car all the cards have kind of different abilities there's no attacking you don't attack each other or anything like that there's no creatures well there are creatures but you you're never attacking like a life total 
It's just a it's a race to get ten points. Uh, there is some type of attacking that can like destroy cards. Uh, that never happened in our game uh, because I think, there, I think there's a lot of variability with the game. So you're gonna see you're not gonna see the same cards very often if you play the game a bunch. Um, but you can also destroy like resources. Like I had a dragon that would kill green resources. Um, so basically, the flow of the game is each person does one action at a time, and if that if someone is done taking taking their turn, they can pass. If they pass, they get a token that gives them one extra point, uh, and then they get to draft, I guess, the uh, extra extra token card that I mentioned that you swap out at the beginning of each round. They get to pick first if you pass first. Um, so you'll play cards, and some of the cards will uh, give you resources at the beginning of the round. And these are all the hardest thing, quote unquote. The hardest thing about the game is learning what each of the symbols do. So there's like a little hand dropping gold, and that's what you get at the beginning of the round. Uh, there's like an arrow that points down at the cards. So you can essentially store resources onto a card that you can take off when you begin the next round. And uh, I'm not being super specific about the game because I just understood it inherently because I understand magic because it had like the tapping and untapping mechanic, but God forbid they call it tapping and untapping because it's copyrighted. Um, what is this? Backups happen when the iPhone is connected to power. Oh, my phone hasn't been connected to Wi-Fi in a minute. Not connected. Now it's connected, boy. So, so yeah. Uh, the reason that I ended up, that I got the game initially was because uh, people said it's like an engine building game, and it definitely is. And I was very, very pleased with it. Um, so, just kind of the flow that my game went is uh, it was heavily based around green life mana, if you will. I had a card called Tree of Life that when I tapped it, it would uh, give me three green and give my opponent one green. Uh, but then there was a card uh, or like a little token that you switch out at each round that I got called uh, Reanimate. And the sec I I would look at I looked at all the symbols on the cards and this one said spend a resource to untap a card and i was like okay that card's gonna be insanely good because if you can untap anything in any game it's really good so i got that and so basically i was getting like a bunch of resources out of this tree every turn and then my character's ability or my mage's ability was i can either tap him and get rid of four resources to get two gold and you need the gold in order to buy the monuments that get you points and so I, and then there's like cards that give you stuff at the beginning of the round and then uh, there was like a card that I played that gave me a reduced cost because I had a dragon in my hand that looked really cool that would kill two of uh, Tim's green things which I was giving to him so it was like I'd tap the tree of life twice and then I'd give him two green and then I played this guy and I'd kill his two green but he can cancel it if he just spends one black and all this stuff, so uh, it was really neat. Uh, and I, and this uh, dragon cost four black and one green to play, but the way that my engine was set up, it was there was really no way for me to to efficiently, at least, get black 
tokens. And I didn't want to spend the gold because I was essentially, you know, spending four to get two gold. So if I spend eight, I would get four gold and then I'd be able to spend those four. So I'd basically be paying nine for the guy. Like I didn't want to do that. But I had a card in my hand that decreased the cost of dragons that I could play, which was just one dragon, uh, decreased the cost by three. So he only cost two. And so I played him out and uh, it was super cool. And uh, there was a, a location card that I tried to buy that gave me two points plus one for each beast. Like, like there's like a symbol on some of the cards, like the, the, the unicorn had like a little paw, a green paw symbol. And then the dragon had like an orange dragon symbol. And uh, you just compare those symbols to the things on the board, right? And so it would have given me like an extra three or four points if I would have got it. But Tim bought it the turn before I was going to buy it. Uh, but essentially, you just get this engine going, and so you start off the game with a couple resources, and then you play a couple cards. Next turn, you get more resources because they give you more resources at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of the round, and then you see what you have on the board, and you look at the tokens that you can draft, and you look at those and say, okay, well, this one would help me the most next round. Um, and I never really felt like passing early so that I could like get first dibs on something because, like, yes, they are powerful abilities. Um, but nothing that I was willing to essentially like end my turn for because, um, just the way the flow of the game went, I was getting my cards out faster than Tim was. Uh, and so I had more things to do on my turn cause I had more resources and more cards out and then I would play more cards. So I'd have more things to do. So he had less things to do. So he would always pretty much pass first. So he would get, uh, to pick the token. Right. So um, I think by like the fourth round, I had all my cards out on the field. I had one card left in my hand, but it didn't benefit me at all to play it. So I just held it in my hand. <clears throat> and so I ba I basically had this like little engine, uh, running and I love that feeling so, 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 so much. It was like, okay, so I have, uh, eight or nine random resources i'll spend four uh i'll trade those in i'll get two gold i'll tap i'll spend two of my i'll tap my tree of life get three green i'll spend two of the green to use my ring of uh ring of midas to put a gold onto it for the next round and then i'll tap that to give it another gold for next round so that i'll have two gold for next round and then i can use those and the two gold that I got from using my character's ability to buy one of the monuments, which will get me up to nine points. And so uh, it was just, it was very, I picked it up very, very, very quickly. And it was a very fast game. It maybe took a max of, it, it felt like 15 minutes, but maybe took 30 minutes. Um, and I thoroughly fucking enjoyed it. Uh, it's perfect for what I've been looking for lately. Just a game I can bust out. I can explain it, especially to like my buddy Clayton, who's visiting, who knows magic, like super easy. I, I don't, I can't even imagine if how difficult or if it would be difficult to teach this game to somebody that doesn't have a background in card games, uh, because it just, it's so inherent. It's just in my blood. I just understand them and I can pick them apart way easier. Um, so yeah, like on the last second, to the last round of the game, Tim had five points with with the first player token or whatever, and I had nine points, and I had, like, 15 resources <laughs> going into the last round, or what would be the last round. 
And so, beginning of my turn, I just bought a, the thing that would put me over the uh, over the hump of ten, and then I spent a couple more things, and I bought, and I just, I ended up having like, I think twelve or thirteen points without the first player token, and Tim almost hit, hit ten when he got to nine, um, because you check for victory at the end of each round, at the beginning of each round. Um, but there are some cards that let you check for victory immediately, which I think is a really cool ability. I just didn't get any cards that did that. Um, so I really know I really only know the tip of the iceberg. Fun fact. If you don't know why people say the tip of the iceberg, it's because icebergs, uh, only 11% of the iceberg is showing above the water. The other 89% is below water. So when you say, oh, it's just the tip of the iceberg, it means you're... It's only 11% of what, well, not literally, I guess, but it's only, a, well, literally, actually, um, it's only 11% of what is actually there. And so there's so many more cards, so many more characters in the game that I could have, that I still haven't played that I am glad that I own the game and uh, I'm excited to play with other people. I don't know how it would, I, I don't know why it would be any different or any worse um, with more than two players, but it feels like a two player game only. But I think it'd be cool to play it with more people. Or I'm glad that it goes up to four, so it's not strictly a two-player game. Um, so yeah, uh, and the game is super cheap. Uh, looks like on Amazon it is me 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 me. It's only thirty thirty one ninety five. It's super super cheap. It's actually on sale right now. <laughs> uh, super cheap. It has an expansion as well. Um, I don't know, let's see what, it's called Lux et Tenebrea, Tenebrae, um, I guess it makes it go up to five players, more players, more fun, a new artifact, a new artifact demos is added to the game along with new scroll components that can be saved from one round to another, more ways to win than four new place, the four new place of power let players discover new paths to victory. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we are famous. We are so excited. Oh, shut the fuck up. This expansion adds demons. I'm buying it, like, tonight. Because <laughs> um, I love demons. Anything demon-related. Yeah, it looks like it adds a couple locations and some cards and all that jazz. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic game. If you're into card games, if you've played Magic at all, or any game that taps and untaps and gets resources. It's a very, very fun, good game. It's just solid, 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 solid work. And it's well produced. It, the, the, uh, it comes with a tray and like a little tray for each of the ability, for each of the resources. And the cards are like a good, solid uh, size. And then the locations are like a nice cardboard. Really good. Um, and the fact that you don't have, I think it's good, it won't get people bogged down because I think a lot of people stay away from card games because they're like, oh, I have to read so many different cards, me, me, me. But throughout the game, you only have a hand of eight cards, or not even a hand, you have a hand of three cards and a deck of eight cards. So eventually you're either going to get all of them out or not. Um, and everything is self-explanatory. And once you kind of get your engine going, like, yeah, you can kind of go into the think tank, but there's really no hidden algorithm to what you're doing. Like, 
I'm sure that I could have played my game better, but I played it well enough to win. And I'm sure if I tap my tree of life before I activated my skull card, which let me trade those in for a different thing, I could have done it in a much better fashion. But like, who cares? It was super, it was super duper fun. And I, I wish it was single player because I'd love to play. I want, I wanted to play it multiple times. It, it's very much a. All right, let's play it again with a different mage, or that mage was too good. Let me, I'm gonna, let me play that mage, or, uh, you know, something like that. So, um, so yeah, two highly recommended games back to fucking back, boy. Uh, so yeah, um, Res Arcana. Uh, I'm, I'll pro I'll get the expansion and let everyone know how it is, but it's just gonna add to how good the game is because it has, has demons in it, and I love demons. Um. Yeah, I have to pee really bad, and I've been talking for like an hour and a half. Uh, and so my throat, not my throat isn't starting to hurt, but like, I don't know, I just need a sip of water or something, so. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been Analysis Pro. Oh, I always forget to plug this. Uh, if you would like, you can email me at analysisparalysisluke at gmail.com. Um, if you want me to read it on the podcast, I 100% will. And actually, while we're here, let me check my email. <laughs> See if anyone messaged me. No one. <laughs> uh, I'm not crying. Because I'm a tough, masculine man that doesn't cry at anything except for the end of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and episode 42 of My Hero Academia. That's going to do it, team. Thank you for listening. I love you all. I mean, unless I hate you and you're listening to this because you're thinking about how much you hate me, then I don't like you either. But um, Analysis Paralysis, Luke Holt. Stick around. Give me a follow. Email me, analysisparalysisluke at gmail.com. And I will talk to y'all very, very soon. Goodbye. Have a nice day.